Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful resources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from a quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week we bring you an interview, and it is called The Arch of Storytelling. And with that, this is Luke in Wisconsin, and I'm here with Christopher Rowan. How's it going, Chris? Uh, it's good. First off, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this. I like Christopher and not Chris. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> Did I say Christopher? I'm here with Christopher. I should know that by now. You know, it's a, we've um, known each other for a long time, and so there have been times when you've said it. I'm just like, you know, should I say something now or... This is the perfect yeah. time. Now it'll be recorded <laughs> and I can remember. Yep. Every time when I think fondly of, I'm going to listen to that interview with Chris. I'm going <laughs> to listen to it. And it's like, oh, 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 it's Christopher. I mean, the problem is that my mom will be upset with you. Oh, that's, don't want to get the real problem. Your mom yeah. upset. Well, <laughs> for everyone wondering, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> and why is he on a bonus episode? Christopher Rowan is a longtime friend of mine. I mean, long yeah. time. Probably like half my life, actually. I mean, half your height, probably. Half my height yeah. and my life. Um, during my middle school and high school years, he was a small group leader at youth group and steadfastly endured many, many nights of over-caffeinated youth. I think one night, someone just brought in like a whole case of Mountain Dew. And no, I was that, just like, that, man, that was crazy. every night, you know. The youth leader was just like, let's just get them all jacked up and send them home. Hey, why not? You know, yeah. there's got to be a lesson there somewhere. Um, ever since <laughs> I got this like pre-typed intro, <laughs> it's just like, I don't even know why I did that. Um, yeah, Christopher's my friend. And now he's working on a new project. Yep. And that's why I've invited him on the yep. podcast. And before we get started with your project, though, um, <laughs> the other night we were talking about storytelling. Yep. And uh, there was a statement made. <laughs> I don't know if I can even repeat the statement successfully, but it was something to the effect of science fiction isn't real or something <laughs> well, like I mean, that. You want to uh, just tell me what that means, well, Christopher? I'm trying to remember exactly how I said it because by definition, science fiction is not real um, because it's fiction. Um, sorry, my <laughs> joke didn't land the first time, so I had to explain it. I hey, thought it was funny. You. Thank you. <laughs> um. Yeah, I believe a few seconds later, I also retracted the statement and uh, and clarified what what I meant. But so here's here's my thought. Uh, this is what it's based on. So science science is legitimately the exercise of observation and recording of that information. You know, you posit theories and then you test it. If something can't be tested, then it's technically not science. Okay, that sounds good. You know what I'm saying? With you. So uh -huh. the reason why I said science fiction uh, doesn't exist or something like that um, was because for it to be like a true science fiction tale, it would have to be something that we can, to some degree, still measure. And the fiction portion of it, portion of it would have to be a story that takes place within reasonable science uh, rather than just sort of like off in the wonderland of, of fantasy. So I tend to prefer to use the word space fantasy when referring to anything that happens outside of this planet. Um, and then probably just fantasy in general when it lands on uh, anything that takes place here on this planet. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, back up. You're trying to tell me that <laughs> lightsabers aren't serious science? <laughs> you know, I, I once saw this video of this guy who had made, quote, a real lightsaber. And it was this thing that was, like, tethered to this massive power generator. <laughs> <laughs> like, using using something. I don't even know what it was. Like, uh, it was, like, this plasma sword. And he just, like, started cutting through stuff. And it was so slow. It was very, very disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's fake. I guess it's not serious science well, yet. Uh, I'll well, okay, that. so... Space fantasy. So here's the thing. I mean, you brought up lightsabers, uh, you know, therefore you brought up all of Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I did. 
So I don't know if that second statement is true, but we'll go with it. <laughs> so something that I think is important to say is that like whenever you ask somebody a qu- the question of like what genre does Star Wars fall into, um, most people like immediately a lot of people might say uh, science fiction, which a lot of people would then disagree with. But then maybe somebody that's a little bit more learned in, you know, Star Wars uh, stuff, uh, they would well, they would call it uh, space opera, actually. Um but what's weird about that is it was actually originally a derogatory term towards things like Flash Gordon, these old uh, 1950s TV shows, where each episode they never actually uh, resolved like a large uh, overarching story. Um, it was always just like this weird episodic, here's a problem, they fix it, resolved, and then nothing ever really moves forward in the grand scheme of things. Oh, like a side Right. Quest. So, I mean, like, so what it ends up doing is these... Uh, these uh, uh, these episodes essentially just kind of tasted more like soap operas. And so uh, people use the term space opera to kind of like deride those those TV shows. Um, uh, but the okay. thing is that like George Lucas absolutely loved um, those shows. And it was definitely one of the inspirations along with like, you know, samurai films and Western films and, and so on. Um, and so when people use the term space opera, it's because, uh, Lucas himself would have explained it as like that being a part of the, part of uh, what contributed to it. He like owned it. So it's kind of like he repurposed. It's like when DC talked to Jesus freaks, like, yeah, call me Jesus freak. George Lucas is like, yeah, I'm a space opera man. You can call me that. But I mean, the only weird thing about it is that like, technically, if you want to really get into what it is, like to me, I, I always defined, and you said it before, I always defined it as a, a space fantasy. Um, because, I mean, you consider it episode four has uh, this declaration by Uncle Owen saying, oh, Ben Kenobi, that old wizard, or something like that, however the line lands. So he actually describes him as a wizard. Um, You're a wizard. Right. <laughs> basic, it's basically <laughs> in the Harry Potter universe. It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I'm going to get us really distracted really well, quick. I mean, well, so. I, mean, here's the, I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Dumbledore are pretty close. They're pretty close. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've never considered this, but now that you're saying this, <laughs> okay. Um, before I, uh... <laughs> speaking of inspiration, you like yeah, that's nice. <laughs> uh, Christopher, Topher, Mister Rowan, fine. Uh, anything but yeah. Chris. Uh, call, just call me anything but Chris. <laughs> anything but Chris. Um, that, we could name that the. Oh, we already. That's the thing. We already name our our podcast yeah. stuff before we do it. We're kind of you know hip yeah. and stuff, but not that hip to do like real time changes. I mean, I'm not gonna do yeah. that. Then I have to go back uh. and edit it. I'm not. I'm not that impressive. <laughs> um, speaking of your new project which everyone's probably been like oh my gosh what, what is this is new it? project i'm just learning about space opera which i never <laughs> wanted to learn about <laughs> i think secretly oh my gosh like they don't even it. realize how much they wanted to know it they did what is <laughs> what is christopherrowan.com and i'm just gonna give you both questions right away why are you starting christopherrowan.com are you running for exactly office? that's exactly right vote christopher rowan for whatever whatever open seat is available <laughs> <laughs> for a local dog that's catcher right. of Apple. that's right um yeah so christopherrowan.com is basically what i settled on because i couldn't think of a better name uh so i just named it after me yeah i mean people tell me that i have a strong name um yeah so uh basically what I've been trying to do is, I mean, for 20 years now, I've been telling people that I'm a writer um, with very little to show for it. Um, and I've been I've been uh, just slowly writing things, putting down story ideas. I have several different notebooks that are just piles of random ideas or rehashings of old ideas, uh, doodles yeah. about whatever, um, whatever ideas kind of pop into my head. And so it's I have these notebooks that act as catch-alls for all these stories, but I've never really had the time and space to sit down and actually write. Um, so I effectively quit my job um, and decided to focus in on on storytelling. Um, so ChristopherRowan.com is essentially the place where all of my writing lands, um, eventually at least. Um, yeah. I see. So it's, it's sort of my way of self-publishing without feeding the monster that is Amazon. 
Ah, the monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't really right. argue with that, but that's not the point of this <laughs> episode. So it's like, all right, it's like um, you're like a, a you've been a secretive covert writer right. I mean, for many well, years. Well, it's mostly that a recluse. It's, it's sort of like if if you imagine <laughs> if you imagine <laughs> that a spy just keeps telling everybody that he's a spy, um, a spy. but nobody ever. <laughs> Nobody ever gets him to do any spy missions. Ah, that guy. Yeah, exactly. It's just like that, um, but with writing. No, I'm gonna do spy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just declare it. Just Watch declare me. it, and it's true, Luke. <laughs> this would be a very poor spy, I think. But you know, or nobody would see it coming. You know. Yeah, that's there you go. Quote, yeah, like we're all expecting Christopher to not actually be a writer, and then he's like, "Boom! Look at this!" Right. Website. I mean, to quote uh, Robert Downey Jr. in his rendition of Sherlock Holmes, "It's so overt, it's covert." Oh yeah, I like that soundtrack song mm-hmm. too. You like? Do you listen to soundtracks? I don't, that but that soundtrack thing? is amazing. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. It's like uh no, I normally don't right. but uh make an exception. Well, I have a hard time cuz like soundtracks themselves have a like story that they're going along with and so to listen to it without the story sometimes it just feels a little uh odd because it'll it'll be like really hectic at a particular time when there's a lot of action going on. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's very it's true like, cuz then you're just kind of Well, it's like Interstellar. Interstellar I like the movie Interstellar. In- Interstellar, but it's uh, space. Well, fantasy. it is. It really is. <laughs> uh, the dude travels inside of a black hole. You can't. You can't say that that's science fiction at that point. No, it's not fiction anymore. Now we know that bookshelves are at the centers of black holes. <laughs> um, it does have this beautiful soundtrack, like this tons of organ. And it's oh, it's just mm. amazing. It's just like sweeping and epic. It's huge. That's it's true. so good. Did you know? Okay, now that I know we're like way. I, this is great, Christopher. <laughs> I feel like this. We are both like we came. You know, we showed right. up. This is if I this mean, is a a game. It's like yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's we're, funny. We're, we're it's dominating. funny because like like this is going to be a bonus episode, um, and I feel like it's significantly less professional than maybe most of your episode. I mean, I've 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 li- listened to some. And they, you know, they're pretty professional. Oh, bless they're your pretty soul. professional. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Wow, that's really that's really well, I mean, kind. At, I don't at know. the very least, you're you're talking like you're serious, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, normally, I actually feel kind of bad for Nick. This has already been hashed in the in the less bonusy type <laughs> material, but um, yeah, Nick. He always gets the raw end of the deal because I normally come with like a monologue that I'm like, ah, I just kind of want to rant mm-hmm. about this. And then Nick's like, so what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I'm a terrible co-host. <laughs> um, Wait, so who's uh, technically in charge then? Oh, no, no, we, we, no one's in charge. <laughs> That's the best way to run things, I find. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so um, Back to it. It's just, it's just a perfect... Um, what you call it? Utopia. All right. Yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> so for oh, I was gonna say for soundtracks. Though, this is a, this is a sidetrack, but you know who cares? I I don't care. We can talk forever, Chris. You want to talk till midnight? We can do that. Everyone doesn't know what time it is. Let's listen to this. Um, <laughs> it is currently the 29th of November at oh whatever time you're listening to this. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, so, no, but you know the soundtrack for Halo, like the yeah, video game. Yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. that actually was inspired from um, the choir at my alma mater, oh, really? or no, the the boys Glee. What do you call it? Uh, man, I don't know what they call it, but like the guys. Choir. Did they record it in the same space, or is it just inspired by? I think it's just inspired okay. by like the guy who wrote it when like came out oh, of okay. that. Choir, okay. choral group. Okay, that's know. cool. Anyway, speaking of storytelling, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's here's my official. This, yeah. You ready for this? This is a professional time. In the past, we've briefly talked about how the mediums of storytelling. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't do this. In the past, we've talked. Hey, we've talked about mediums of storytelling and how they've changed over time. Hence the clever mm-hmm. title, the art of storytelling. Can you give us an overview of those changes and how have those changes? impacted storytelling yeah so it's 
to me, I find that it's it's a really interesting thing when you consider like how it is that people uh, have experienced stories and have like sort of like now experience them. Like if you think about it, like what we mainly do for experiencing stories uh, as a as a culture, at least in the U.S. Um, in a major way, is that we uh, go to the movies, we watch TV, um, we stream. Um, we watch all of this very, very produced stuff. And that's like, if you ask anybody, that's pretty much like where they'll land Um, in saying like, that's how I experience stories. Like you'll have some people saying, oh, well, I read um, or maybe I I listen to audio books or or something like that. Um, But one of the things that I've found is that like, if you really consider it, movies and TV have really only been around for about 100 years. Um, you know, at least right. in some form and fashion. And so if you consider that, that's not very much, much time. Like that's not very long for something to kind of really kind of deeply impact us, like even like culturally or even like as human beings. Um, and yet it's still at the same time, sort of an expression of, uh, uh or a venue or even a medium for telling stories. Um, so then you kind of open it up a little bit more. Okay, we mentioned people that read. Well, okay, reading is something like at least like in the average individual opening up a book and reading from a page is actually something that really has only existed for a few hundred years. Um, that didn't actually happen until we had printing presses and the Gutenberg. Exactly. But even Gutenberg had like it was like pretty minimal in terms of what it could produce. Um and so it wasn't a lot of fiction that was getting out there. Or, sorry, just a lot of written word that it, that was getting out there. Um, it was actually just reserved for a few really, really important things. Um, and not until goodness, like the early 1800s, did we find that like things could be uh, printed on like a, a massive scale. Uh, but even at that point, you have this this reality that the average person uh, couldn't read on like up right. until like the early 1800s. Um, at least in yeah. the West. Um, Man, all these inventions are so right. new. It's what happened earlier, Chris? <laughs> Christopher? Oh my God! You're gonna have to like cut every one of those out. Topher? And just, like, Not yeah. a chance. They're all staying in. Um, so I mean, beyond that uh, is uh, is oral storytelling, um, and if we try to trace that back, we won't even be able to figure out exactly when that started, um, because. Because as much as long as we have known, people have told stories. They just have. Um, it like to me, I'm just kind of wondering, like, okay, how much of being human is actually our ability to tell and listen to and learn from and grow and everything else uh, through story? Um, so it's to me, I'm just like it's 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 one of the most like paramount things about like being human is the ability to tell stories, to actually go through an experience and tell stories, and then to actually embellish that story and make it even bigger and better than it was <laughs> when it actually happened. Um, right. But then on top of that, you have the reality of how many people, uh, it's like an expression of who they are for them to simply listen to stories. Um, and on top of that, one of the things that does exist within, like if you even go to more like more recent like heavily saturated oral storytelling tradition based cultures. Um, like podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> That's where they get them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, if you think about it, like, honestly, podcasts are an expression of this. Like, people listen, to, like, people want to listen to people talk. And it's like, it's huge. Like, once podcasts came around, um, at least in their current form, I guess before this, it was like listening to the radio. Um, and it wasn't on demand at all. Can you can you imagine? <laughs> it's not on demand. Oh, yeah. That's weird. But so uh, so I guess to finish my thought, um, basically what was uh, a part of oral story uh, storytelling uh, within those cultures was uh, it wasn't just the storyteller that ha- that uh, was telling the story that had any sort of like responsibility in the matter. It was actually also the listeners themselves, and especially as the generations got older and older. The, the listeners and the audience themselves would actually hold the storytellers accountable to what the story actually was. So it's weird because I think in our modern minds, because they didn't have like, you know, equipment to record things, to have an exact replica of, of what was stated or um, what was shared at the oral storytelling night, 
Um, we assume that their ability to retain that information was poor, but we'd be incredibly wrong because it was a whole community that was coming together that were all contributing to, to remembering the story. Um, and so when it would come time for that person to tell the story, it was a, a story that they were all very familiar with until, of course, like some other big thing started happening or had happened, uh, then, uh, you know, a new story would come, but then you'd have a whole generation of people, multiple generations of people that would actually say, oh, you said this, um, well, that's not, that's not actually accurate to what actually happened uh, in that moment. And they would all hold each other accountable to what really happened. Yeah, that's way different than downloading something, listening to it, being like, all right, that was And then, honestly, and then moving <laughs> on and, like, completely forgetting that you listened to it. Right. But I mean that it's it's also a reflection of like you know our modern desire that everything has to be brand new. But I'll stop uh, philosophizing. <laughs> no, it's interesting that you say philosophizing too, because actually this relates. I wasn't even thinking about this before we did the interview, but now I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it. Um, I took a class in college. I know that's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, and right. It was yeah, called. Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah, tell me more. Right? It's so fun. <laughs> People are going to listen to me like, this is these two. <laughs> um, but it was uh, called Death and the Meaning of Life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's got to be fun. <laughs> and as you can guess, it, it, okay. It sounds fun to me, honestly. I thought it was very fun. But it was interesting because I felt like a, a ton of the class, I was like, well, what do we mean by meaning? Because it's, it's hard to know the meaning of life if you're like, what what how, what do I mean by this word? And what I think like meaning typically means, I, I think it's a definition. Like I'm using the word trying to define it because I think like the meaning of life is almost like saying the definition of life. What is what is something that counts as part of life and what's something that's not? Or another way of like if like you're you know, think of like a I don't know an inspector or not inspector a detective. And you like walk up to a dead body and you're like, what's the meaning of this? How did it get here? And there's a sense of like, you are starting by asking questions about the past or maybe the purpose or like in the, in the present or the future. Like if you're asking about the meaning of life of humanity, you're asking about what's the origin, what's the destination, what's the current purpose. You know, it's like if you pick up a spoon, it's like, ah, well, the meaning of this seems to be pretty handy for eating cereal (laughs) or flinging cheers at people. Um, but you know, for humans, we kind of, obviously then you get into all the different religions and, um, philosophies of life. But I think storytelling is inherent to our attempt to like make sense of what is going on around us, even if we don't call it storytelling all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree. I, I think that's the, that's kind of the strange thing about it. I think oftentimes we go through an experience and when we go through something that's so profound, we try to attach meaning. We try to attach like understanding and, you know, how did this thing come about? And we begin to imagine. And, um, you know, in all honesty, I think for anybody that would be maybe more like agnostic or atheistic or, or whatever, like they would sit there and immediately say, ah, therefore... Um, none of that was true because you're just attaching, you know, your own ideas or your own experience or your own preferences to a thing. But the difficulty is that, like, that's human experience. Uh, we're always going through things and we're trying to see, like, what is, what's, like, what's of real, like, substance um, within this experience or when, within this moment. Um, and the very fact that we ask that question, to me, uh, begs another question saying like, okay, why on earth do we care so much? You know, what is behind that search for like uh, meaning and higher purpose and higher calling, you know? No, that's a good question to ask. And I mean, again, you you get all the different explanations. Well, clearly it's just a survival instinct for this reason or that reason or whatever. Uh, It's trying to prompt us to, but okay. Anyway, talking about storytelling, (laughs) (laughs) how, when you think of, um, so I know you, thank you for that overview of the history of storytelling and and then that philosophizing Mm -hmm. connecting back to earlier. How do you think those changes in how we tell stories has impacted storytelling? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, right away, the first thing I think about is sort of like the last thing I said, the reality that 
Um, in the past, the, the audience was just as much a part of the storytelling as the storyteller themselves. Ultimately, the person that was telling the story was somebody that could perform the story well, that could share it with like some level of gusto and some level of, of performance um, to help people to kind of like remember, retain, maybe even just like laugh a little bit more at the, at the silly things in the story and whatever. So you had the people that were as involved as the storyteller himself, maybe not physically, but simply by being there and hearing the stories over and over and over again. Um, and that's how people used to experience stories. And you have to consider, you know, is our thirst for and quest for something like completely and utterly new and novel um, kind of getting in the way of us truly taking in and remembering those real like important uh, stories and like, do we just sacrifice those real important stories for the sake of like, you know, something that's new. Um, so, I mean, like you have, you have that reality of, of sort of just the simple involvement and the ability to retain a story uh, that I think is, has changed in a massive way uh, within who we are now um, simply because we don't have to remember it. We can just replay it. Um, but if, if, I don't know, it's actually a pretty fun exercise. If you ever take your favorite movie, like maybe something that you've watched over and over and over again, and you sit down with a friend, if they haven't seen it, and you actually begin to like retell the story, um, it's a really, really fun exercise. I remember I did it with uh, uh, this young guy that I was talking to um, uh, at the time, and he, uh, I basically told him the, the, the storyline of the life of Pi. Um, and... And it was just funny because like as I relayed the story, one of the realities is that because he hadn't seen it, I kind of told it in a way that's just like, here's what bothers me about the life of Pi. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I was retelling the story and trying to capture like all the like the wonder and the the like just the the beauty of it. Um, and I mean, I had also read the book, but I, I was retelling specifically the, sto- the story of the of the, the movie. And so as I was telling him this, he was, I, I could even see in his eyes, like his eyes were getting like bigger at these moments of like, you know, fantasy and wonder. Um, and then his even like his, he was sort of a, he's like kind of a philosopher himself. And so whenever I would bring up these different ideas of like, oh, here's, here's where we're going to wrestle with this. And here's where we're going to wrestle with this. Um, and um, even the beginning, the very premise of, of the storyteller is that he's saying, I'm going to tell you a story and this story is going to convince you of the existence of God. And he begins and he tells this whole story. And so this, this, uh, this friend of mine was listening. And by the time I got to the end, I won't say it here, I guess, um, for anybody that hasn't watched a movie that's, you know, over 10 years old. Um, no, you can say, um, it. that's not fault. <laughs> I haven't watched it. It's my fault, Chris. I own it. You haven't. And you own it. <laughs> No, I own the mistake. <laughs> I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but no, like, I, I, I won't. But like, ultimately, I, re- I just remember like telling him this whole story and then getting to the resolution. And he looked at me and he was just like, wait, that's it? And I'm like, yeah, that, that's it. Like that was it. That, that's the convincing factor of like why you should believe in God. And um, this guy was ultimately like really disappointed. He even told me straight up, he's just like, he's like, I just feel like you wasted my time telling me this story. <laughs> um, and so it's like, I mean, that tells you something, right? Like that, that tells you something about stories. There is this matter yeah. of, there's this matter of a story uh, can either be good or bad. In my opinion, they can either be good or bad. Maybe they can be neutral, but in all honesty, if they're neutral, then they're probably bad stories. Um, in quality, I, I mean, think. ultimately in maybe potency, <clears throat> like in effectiveness, okay, um, yeah. there's good and bad stories. Now you can have a good storyteller who tells a bad story and tells it well. And that's honestly most stories that we hear nowadays in, in popular culture. Um, maybe that's a little too judgmental, but I'll say it. No, I think that's true. Well, you can kind of tell when a TV show runs out of right. ideas because they just start having sex all the right. time. And it's like, oh, right. okay. Yeah, they ran out right, of ideas. Right, exactly. And like, <laughs> oh, these people, we were cheering for them to get together, but now uh, we want some drama, so let's just change it up and say that, oh, yeah, they broke up again. Um, and it's yeah. just like, it's just a really, really <laughs> sad kind of silly, like pretty depraved story. Um, but 
I'm trying to remember where I was. <laughs> where I was. Oh, good and yeah. bad. And if it's neutral, it's probably yeah. Bad. So it's it, there is this matter of like good and bad stories are really the only categories that we have. And to me, what really makes a story good or bad is its honesty. Um, and so I think the first thing that people might say is like, oh, like fiction versus nonfiction is like, or or maybe if I say like, you know, is it's truthfulness. Um, people would want to say, oh, like fiction versus nonfiction. But it's just like, no, it has nothing to do with fiction or nonfiction. It doesn't have to be a story that actually happened versus a story that hasn't actually happened. Um, it's this matter of uh, delving into something that's real and something that's substantial. Um, and that to me is what makes the, uh, that makes the difference between um, uh, a good story and a bad story because a good story will tell the truth and a bad story will tell lies. And that's just really what it comes down to. So you can have a really good storyteller take a really bad story and tell it in a way that's like exciting and lively and everything else. But when it comes down to it, it's still a bad story. Um, but then you can also, on the flip side, you can have a really bad storyteller take a really a really good story and just completely like murder it, you know? Um, it's like when somebody tries to tell a joke and they can't uh, tell the joke without going back and correcting a few lines and then going forward. And then when they finally, you know, say the punchline, it just falls flat. Yeah. I've done that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, same. <laughs> same people. People think so, that because I'm a writer that I must be really great at telling stories. And I'm just like, no, nah, I flop all the time. <laughs> no. You, I mean, one of the benefits of writing is that <laughs> you don't have to edit it on the fly. You can present it after it's It's edited. true. It's true. I mean, I honestly don't really write that way. Uh, like usually what comes out the first time is what sticks. It's really oh, wild. But the, the hard thing is it's it's more difficult for me to kind of get those words out. Um, you got to be like in the mood or yeah, vibe or yeah. whatever you want to call well, it. Well, there are times and I can just kind of like force it out, but it's, uh, I'm usually really dissatisfied with it. When I go back and read it, I'm, it's usually just like, oh, okay, this is fine. Like, this is good. But uh, at the time, I'm, I'm really dissatisfied with it. Mm. So, I just getting at the idea of honesty or truthfulness, mm -hmm. just to suss that out a little bit yeah. more, you know, just to, just to kind of, expand or expound or whatever exclamatory word we want to use <laughs> um okay so i still am having trouble saying that's not fiction because i want to use an example of like i don't know any fantasy novel or movie sure. but we already did star wars and and uh, harry <laughs> yeah. potter so let's say lord yeah. of the rings all right lord of the rings obviously there is no middle earth and dwarves and elves and yep. stuff so it's lying christopher <laughs> it's lying it doesn't have truthfulness yeah. Well, right? Do well, I get I mean, it? You are uh, putting on a facade right now. I think you agree with me. <laughs> Pierce my facade, Christopher. Yeah, so, Pierce it with the truthfulness. So ultimately, when it comes down to it, so let's say let's take one of one of my stories as an example. Uh, oh, let's do, I, do that. Do I want to yeah, do that? I want. Well, I don't know if I want to explain. You know? Oh, okay, come so on. I'll go for it. All right. You can do it. So, yeah. so here's the thing. I recently, I haven't gotten very far on this. I'm legitimately like a paragraph in and I'm, I feel kind of stuck with it. But there, but uh, but I want to keep working on the story. So recently I decided, um, I don't know, anybody that talks to me about like what kind of stories I like to write, the reality is that like I like to write stories. And so they, in terms of genre, they're all over the place. Um, That's yeah, great. So I, I mean, currently... Um, sort of like bigger projects that are going to be available on my on my website or are available on my website, um, I should say. Um, are like I have an adventure story right now, and I have a space fantasy that I'm I'm kind of working out. Um, so it's just like really simple two two stories that I want to like basically every single week I want to add more story to it. So it's going to be sort of it's called serial fiction. Um, basically, I just add like a new part or a new episode uh, each week. And you can experience like a longer, like full story from like a novel type of a thing, but in smaller parts at a time. So that's okay. essentially like the, the the design of of what I'm doing. Um, but uh, one of the stories that I'm working on, and I will probably continue to work on it, uh, is this western. And within this western, I was like, oh, I want to I want to write like a really fun story, a really fun yeah. western. And so I started, I started like pondering. I'm just like, okay, like what's my character's name? And I'm just like, okay, I like the name Walt. Walt sounds like a good uh, Western name. Um, yeah. 
And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, where do I want to start? And so all of a sudden a line popped into my head and I typed it out and then I kind of laughed. I, I typed out, Walt was good for nothing. And I, 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 I paused and I'm just like, wow, that's actually really heavy. That's not fun and lighthearted at all. <laughs> and then, and then. I like right, it. I mean, I like Walt. Right? <laughs> well, and then, and then I started, I continued writing and the next sentence read, and Pa, uh, wait, no, how did it go? I, it went, at least that's what Paul always told him. And I sat there and was like, whoa, okay, so now there's like this, this father who keeps belittling his son. And I'm just like, whoa, this is heavy. Like this is like first two lines of a story. <laughs> and then I, want, I wanted it to be fun. <laughs> but this is what I got. Um, this, is the, this, is a, this is a story. This is a writing and storytelling. Um, and then I went on from there and it turned out by the end of the first paragraph, Walt was dead. <laughs> you know, like, but, but he, what right. line. I mean, that's that's not I mean, that's not the way I wrote it. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, that's that's effectively what happened. It turns out that Walt was dead. And um, and I sat there and was like, wait, what happened? Like, I wanted to write a fun, like kind of fancy free Western story. Now, to be fair, if you're going to write a Western, it's going to be serious. Um, at least there's going to be some funny stuff. I mean, it's not everything can be Shanghai Noon. Um, you know, it's a, is that a bit more of a deep cut for some? Um, <laughs> check it out. It's a great movie. Um, but, but I mean, you have these, you have, uh, these storylines within Westerns that are honestly like very, very, uh, deep and heavy stories. Okay. So I'm writing this story and it's all fiction. Like I'm, I, I'm not talking about my good friend Walt who died, you know, back in like 1850. Um, uh -huh. All lies. All lies. <laughs> but what's happening right now is there is there is a truth and there is an honesty that's coming out within this storyline, namely within the reality of the characters. The fact that these characters are living out real life human experiences. It doesn't matter if they're real people or not. They are exhibiting a, a level of humanity that's authentic to what we know. And so what's happening is it doesn't matter if it's a, a fiction or a nonfiction story. It speaks a truth of like the difficulties and hardship of life, the, the realities of like the difficulties and hardship of like just a father, like the relationship between a father and a son. And obviously it, it, it begs the question, okay, like what's the deal with Walt? You know, is he like, right? Why did he die? Why'd he die? Yeah. But then on top of that, like, why was he good for nothing? You know, why did why yeah why why was? does why does his dad say that to him all the time? Like, is it is it based in uh, this thought of like you know his dad has these expectations of him that he can't live up to? Maybe his dad was really good at at certain things, but Walt isn't. Um, you know, so it's like it begins to beg these questions. And right off the bat, like I remember, I was sharing this this idea with another friend and I sat there and I was like, I have no idea if this compels anything in people. And he's just like, I want to hear the story. And I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, and, and the reason is because it speaks of like, uh, of, of life in a really honest way. Um, and so like, that's the thing that I find whenever I'm writing a story, it doesn't matter like who my main character is. I just find that so much of me and myself and like my own, like, history and the life experience that I have um, really just comes out like all of my pains and sorrows like really begin to come out um, and if you know if you know much of my story like there's this matter of like you can already sit there and be like okay yeah I can really see how how Christopher can relate to uh, to Walt this character and maybe he can even relate to um, you know the father in a, in a strange way even though I'm not a father um, so it's like it's it's that sort of a thing, like speaking about true things, even if it is in the midst of a fictional story. I see. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, I get what mm -hmm. you're saying. Wherein, like, I mean, uh, you brought it up, like Lord of, the, Lord of the Rings talks about real things, even if we none of us will ever actually take, uh, you know, the one ring to Mount Doom. Yeah, it's almost a sense of like, Maybe this is really crude, but or not crude, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Maybe simplistic. Crude, but, actually, crude um, is the right word. We just we just use it differently nowadays. That's yeah. fair. 
Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I feel very affirmed in my usage of crude. <laughs> well, well done. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, when, like, it's almost like nonfiction is often the sense of like stating a principle very obviously mm-hmm. or, or can be, but fictional can be giving examples almost like analogies in yep. a sense. If I'm trying to be really simplistic with what you're talking about, with honesty yeah. versus dishonesty, yeah. with good stories versus bad stories. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, it makes me think of uh, very simply, like, honestly, it makes me think of Jesus and the reality of like when he wanted to communicate something and communicate in a way that was like, you know, like uh, attention grabbing and um, uh, like he, he told stories, like we call them parables, but he told stories. Um, and what's wild is like, uh, I mean, I, I, maybe everybody listening can like do a little bit more research than I'm exhibiting right now, but I believe... Um, if uh, my memory serves me, uh, the parable of the prodigal son was uh, actually a well-known story at the time um, when he when Jesus was sharing it. However, the popular version uh, had some some differences, and so here's this oral telling or, or oral to- storytelling tradition where um, people would hold uh, the storyteller accountable. Um, However, one of the benefits of everybody knowing the story is that a really good teacher, a really good storyteller, when they did change the story, um, it was, it noticeable. was noticeable and it was for a purpose. Because he wouldn't – like, you know, the storyteller at that point when they're changing the story, they're not an idiot. You know, they're not, they're not um, you know, just unaware of how the story actually goes. They're very aware, but they change it very deliberately. So when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, the very the, the the certain things that he changes within the story are extremely noticeable, extremely eye-catching. Um, so, so one has to consider that, like you know, if Jesus himself was relying on fictional stories to relay truth, then how is it that suddenly uh, another, you know, so, like some other storyteller? telling a fictional story is somehow not telling the truth, you know, like just simply mm-hmm. because the story is fictional. That's really good. No, I, what, I mean, you got me. <laughs> You're using the Bible. That's right. I brought up, once you use the I Bible. Brought Jesus, oh, okay. So, you brought up so Jesus, I man. I win. I can't go anywhere with that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, no, I mean, I guess the only way to like beat that in like a Christian argument would be to find a different verse to interpret Jesus doing something, <laughs> you know? Well, like, honestly, yeah, right? Uh, That's yeah. like the whole, like, when Jesus is led into the wilderness, Satan's not like, ah, do you know what Confucius wrote? He's like, ah, look at this, Jesus. I'm going to quote scripture to you. And Jesus is like, ha, look at this. I'm going to quote scripture back right, to you, right. you know? Anyway. But I mean, uh, I, I mean, it brings up, uh, it brings up a good point, at least in my mind, like, I'm not... <sighs> That doesn't automatically mean that, therefore, all fiction is beneficial. You know, we True. we legitimately oh, yeah. have to weigh and measure it all. But it also it also means that we shouldn't shy away from it, because I know I know a lot of Christians who, in honestly, it seems like a fear in many ways, um, where they will not approach various kinds of uh, fiction simply because they're written by you know. Uh, you know, such and such an author who's not a believer or who isn't, you know, whatever. But what's funny is that like, I've read tons of fiction uh, by people that weren't believers that has been, that's been like super beneficial. My favorite example is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Um, Mary Shelley was, uh, was, was an atheist and she legitimately wrote Frankenstein in this way that, um, that like didn't really allude to God, but at the same time was like this, almost this commentary on man's struggle with God. And it was like this really wild story to consider, uh, especially in the, the reality that she herself uh, was an atheist. Um, but like the story itself is beautiful. It's a really hard story, really difficult story. Um, but it's it's a really, really beautiful expression of uh, like the creature's fight against the creator. Now, the difficulty is that um, within her story, uh, the creature is bad because the creator himself was was like bad and selfish and whatever else. So there's there's a there's a theological problem in there, but but there is this matter of like the story itself is just so beautiful um, and so well written and and speaks uh, so much truth in so many ways. 
Um, and it may be off kilter here and there, but it doesn't mean that suddenly it has no benefit. No, that's that's really fascinating that you actually use that example specifically, mm-hmm. just because I just watched. I'm I'm not gonna spoil it, but I just watched uh, Eternals, yeah. um, Marvel, one of Marvel's new. Films. I've been meaning to watch it. Did you enjoy um, it? Uh, I would say it wasn't my favorite and it wasn't my least favorite, so it was neutral. So I guess in your opinion, <laughs> then it would be bad. Well, I mean, if it's I mean, favorite and not favorite is different than good and bad. Well, okay, I always struggle with giving people movie recommendations if they're like, oh, how would you like it? Because yeah. I feel like if I say it's really good, then they're going to be like, oh, this isn't really good. I'm disappointed. <laughs> or like if I say it's really bad, then they're going to be like, this is pretty good. Or like they skip yeah. it because I'm like, ah, it's not that yep. good. And then they're like later, they're like, oh, I would have enjoyed that. What the heck, yeah. Luke? So I always kind of, I feel like by nature of the the beast of recommendations I, i'm not very good at giving movie recommendations <laughs> without spoiling things but i do want to say something that I, I won't give away stuff about the movie but <clears throat> there is a that same creator created mm. um dynamic like you're talking about with frankenstein yeah, yeah. and it has caused me to pause a little bit and think about like just some of the theology of um well, I don't want to give it away. So it's just like thinking about that same dynamic of um, God and, and obviously mm-hmm. Marvel's depiction of God is, you know, just like you're saying with the the kind of sinful mm-hmm. person who made the monster. It's similar in the sense of like this God is nothing like the Christian version right, of God, right. but it's still interesting. You know, it's not it's not the Trinity. It's not Jesus right. who he like revealed himself to be, right. but... But I mean, anyway. but I mean, something worth noting is that like if somebody if somebody tells a story and you can in it say like, oh, well, that's not the God that I, that's not the God that I serve. Um, there's this matter of like rather than writing it off, you can actually learn so much about the person who's telling the story because it may not be the God that you serve. But it is this matter of like this is in many ways, this is what they think of the God that you serve. Um, and we then have yeah. a responsibility in that moment to begin to like step into it and hopefully embody and even um, uh, there's a there's a better more like theological word for it. <laughs> um, we can incarnate. <laughs> we can incarnate. And, that's the word. Oh, yeah. I like it. I like it. Ooh, fancy <laughs> that's right, Christopher. That's right. um, but we can incarnate uh, like God too to the like the, the real character of God to these people that do have a misconception because their misconception is based on our action and even reaction to in many ways like uh, who we think the, the God is that we are serving because like if I sit there and um, I act on a regular basis saying that God is like distant and far off and I have to shout out my prayers for him to even hear me or I have to get his attention somehow um, like if that's how we act and yet at the same time we're preaching this message of no God is so near and he loves us so much and he's so attentive to us and and whatever like if we're saying uh one message and then we're living an entirely different message people are paying so much more attention to what we're doing um in many ways um i mean they listen to what we're saying but usually you know what's popularized is like filled with hate so that's frustrating um so that's frustrating uh, it's just a minor (laughs) well i mean it really does undermine so much you know Um, it really does but like but that's like that's ultimately the challenge to us is that we have to begin to step in and hopefully be a better representation of who jesus actually is to these folks that have Mm. clearly have a huge misunderstanding of who god is um and so like that's um, like that, that becomes a challenge to us. So rather than getting angry or like ostracizing or like picketing, uh, these authors or whatever, what we should be doing is we should potentially be reading their literature, learning more about them and saying, Hey, so you said this in your book, like, is that what you truly believe? Or is that how you really see it? Um, and we can actually then begin to enter into dialogue with people in a way that hopefully will change people's hearts because we're actually being more understanding. Uh, no, that's a beautiful picture that you're painting, Chris Christopher. That that um, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed now. You're good. Um, you're good. <laughs> no, but I I think it it calls for real messiness. Mm-hmm. That's a lot harder than just saying 
This book yeah, bad. Right. Right. <laughs> Secular author right. bad. Well, and so like that's actually so as it actually brings us back to the, you know, the topic at hand, you know, ChristopherRowan.com. Um, yeah, it does. So spelled oh, also, just because I forgot to say it, Rowan is spelled R O H is in hotel A N. Yep. Or H's and horse, however you want to use your phone. I mean, alphabet. H's and horse makes sense because if you think of it in terms of Riders of Rohan, that's how it's spelled. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. ChristopherRohan.com. Uh, it's just like that's not the actual pronunciation of my last name. So that's the only problem. Okay. So it it causes problems. Um, anyway, so here's here's the thing. Like when I'm on when I'm writing on my website or publishing on my website, uh, here's kind of my dream. I, um, I in many ways like feel very. I don't know. I don't know where people like land theologically on this type of thing, but I very much feel called um, by God to tell stories. It's a weird thing. Um, what's funny is I don't think that necessarily means that I'm good at it, um, <laughs> but but it is this matter of like I believe that's what He wants me to do. Um, so as I'm doing that, one of the things that's always been a challenge for me is that I am a perfectionist. Um, I want everything to come off perfectly. I want my lines to be super amazing and memorable. I want my characters to be, you know, the new, uh, Frodo Baggins, um, or whatever. Um, uh, right. So the true hero. Um, yeah, he is. Oh, speaking truth. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, uh, but as I'm writing, one of the things that I, I keep finding myself stuck in is, is this kind of cycle and this repetition of perfection, like chasing after perfection. And um, actually on the, the first page of my, my website, I have, I, I have a, a chunk that's sort of like dedicated to commenting on that. Um, I sort of talk about the reality of how I want to write potent stories rather than perfect stories. Um, I want them to have effect. I want them to be weighty. As I wrote on my website, I want them to bear fruit um, in and out of season. Like I want them to have that kind of a, an effect, um, which is maybe a lofty goal. But but the point of it is that I just truly believe that we as people were meant to tell stories. When you consider the reality of like what Jesus calls us to be and what Jesus calls us to do, he says, uh, you know, going to all the world, making disciples, uh, teaching them, and, and and so on. But like, ultimately, the big thing is just like you know, put it in like very short term, is he wants us to share the gospel. He wants us to share the good news. And what is sharing news other than simply sharing the story of what's actually happened? Um, you can even fast forward into uh, into the Revelation of John and and remember that um, it's. Uh, that we we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Like that is very simply um, sharing people with people the story of what Jesus has done and telling the story of how that's affected us. Um, so when it comes down to it, like I would just believe that storytelling is so much a part of our souls that I simply just need to remind myself, just keep telling stories. Just keep telling stories over and over and over again. And the reality is that, like, yes, I, I write a lot of fiction and I focus a lot on fiction. But another part of what I want to do is I want to I want to tell um, even real stories um, from time to time. Of course, more of a focus on fiction. But then on top of that, I also want to talk about how to tell stories um, because I just simply believe that storytelling expresses a part of our soul more than anything else. But I honestly think that we'll tell stories regardless. Um, it's just, I think the challenge then is what story are we telling? Like, is it a good story or is it a, is it a bad story? Like, are you, when you share your life with people, are you telling them like a real, authentic, honest story that like shares and depicts truth? Or are you, uh, are you putting it through, um, you know, sort of the lens of perfect, perfect storytelling? And are you, are you, right, right. And are, Insta exactly. And are you potentially, you know, sharing, you know, maybe sharing some lies here and there or telling in a way that's like maybe a little bit more acceptable or or whatever? It's just, it's this matter of I want to tell stories that are real and honest. Um, and so like that's that's the hard thing. Ultimately, what it comes down to is whatever I'm going to be writing, whatever I'm going to be putting out there is not going to be perfect. Um it may even be at times, maybe it's going to be a little disappointing for some people as they're reading it. Who knows? Um, but it is this matter of like, I just very simply have to keep putting down the stories that are kind of kind of being shaped in my mind. Because in many ways, as a writer, and most writers will talk about this, um, 
I'm not really making stuff up. It just feels like I'm recording something that I'm seeing in many ways. Like it's not, I can't shape it as much as people think that I can. Um, you're just kind of like, you're beginning with the story and as you write it, like the next part comes and then the next part comes and the next part comes. And there are some people who can like, like write in a way that actually has the big picture in mind. But, um, but for me, that's just never been the case. Now, when I say I've, I'm working on this Western, I can tell you right now, I pretty much know like sort of the flow of the story and like what's going to happen, like the major events that are going to happen. Um, but with that said, I can't rightfully tell you right now how the characters are going, going to get there and how they're going to react in those situations. Because in many ways, I'm simply just uh, a messenger um, of the story. And maybe that sounds weird. Maybe that sounds a little cryptic. I don't really know. But, but that's the process that I kind of find myself in. Well, I think that's a good process. <laughs> I'm grateful for it. <laughs> And I no, I'm I'm truly grateful too. Just that you took the time to come on Beggar's Bread because um, I know <laughs> I know um, I, in some ways it does go against that perfectionist um, desire because it's like oh I'm just gonna jump on off a microphone <laughs> and talk with Luke who is uh, you know not exactly planned all the time. So um, yeah, just want to say thank you for that and. I'm very excited. Just one more time for everyone at home, uh, Christopher Rowan, and his last name is spelled R-O-H as in horse, A-N as in Nancy.com. <laughs> as in Nancy.com. <laughs> as in Nancy. Yeah. Don't spell out as in Nancy. Just put the letter N. Hey, do you have do you have like show notes and stuff that you can throw that in or something? I mean, maybe, but some people, you know, they're like, they're busy people. No, they don't want to go to show notes. Okay, yeah, we'll put it to show notes. That's fair. <laughs> no, no, that's totally reasonable. <laughs> well, um, seriously, thank you, Christopher. Yeah. And um, if anyone is interested in reading your stuff, is there anything besides – it's just a website, right? Nothing else that they need to keep yeah, in mind? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I mean, I do want to be up front. Uh, the reality is that, like, um, within writing, you kind of need to make money. Um, so yeah, what? it's weird. I mean, it, maybe it's different for other careers, but, um, <laughs> but the reality is that like, you know, the hope is that I can keep doing this, uh, professionally and that I can keep focusing time on it. So, um, as of right now, the shape of it is that, uh, you can subscribe, but there is a monthly fee. Um, and just know that like the monthly fee goes to, you know, uh, um, you know, keeping my belly full and uh <laughs> as i continue to write but i mean like that's that's kind of the hope is that like i know i don't need much i really don't need much but um but i am asking that people would be willing to to contribute if they want to read and if they want to keep reading um but another side of it is that like uh my plan is uh that the subscription fee will actually drop uh in price as i get more subscribers because i'm not looking to become like some you know some media mogul or anything like that i just very simply want to keep you know want to keep doing what i'm doing you know because not only am i having fun but it's also this matter of like i really truly feel like i'm like kind of like right in that like you know right in the hand of god as i'm as i'm doing it it's a really wild experience for me and so um uh so it's just sort of that thing like you know if you're interested uh feel free to check it out um you know if you don't if you don't want to commit anything to it i'm still working on the website so there's i still want to have a space where there's free content um because it's not just about you know you know funneling everybody into my you know my paywall or anything like that but um you know i want to be be upfront with that because like i don't know like i well, one i don't like asking for stuff <laughs> but but there is this matter of like you know this is this is how you can help me and honestly hopefully I can help uh, help you by just sharing with with you some some fun stories. Um, Absolutely. But. No, I I do think yeah we could get on a long rabbit trail of paywalls and yeah. how it's actually pretty beneficial. Yeah. But I think we can just leave it yeah. at that. So no, thank you so much. Um, any last thoughts for everyone as we go? No, I mean, honestly, uh, this has been my, my sort of my mantra for lack of a better word, but I just keep telling myself, just tell stories. Um, and I think that message is true for everybody. 
Um, you know, we will every every time we start something new, like if we're unfamiliar with it, we're going to be bad at it. But uh, the point isn't to be perfect at it. The point is to try. Um, so just keep telling stories, keep telling your story. And um, yeah, that's kind of my hope. That's what I want to inspire in people. So excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris. And thank you also for all those years that you're a small group leader. <laughs> you bet. I mean, uh, it was it was an endurance race. It was an endurance race. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll see you back on Thursday with our regular professional episode. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the Arch of Storytelling. See you on Thursday. Thanks, guys.